may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. And just so you know, that is not a pre-recorded introduction. I read that live every week. I know we have people ask that this week. <laughs> I guess I read it exactly the same. You do you, every week. You bring a lot of consistency to this podcast. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> At least in the introduction. Oh, that's good. Well, this podcast that we're talking about is the Dominion Podcast. I am your beta host, Jeremy Boyd. And I'm Alex Klusterman. That's right. And we're here today in the uh, underground bunker beneath (laughs) Peterborough City Hall. Uh, (laughs) Secretly... Secretly building tunnels underground. <laughs> Plotting and <laughs> Plotting scheming. Plotting and scheming. We've got giant chalkboards with the maps and X's on them. Um, little, ma- you know, little, little maps on the table with the tin soldiers <laughs> pushing them around with sticks and stuff. <laughs> Taking dominion. That's right. We're actually just playing Risk. <laughs> no, we're not doing any of that. We're here to talk. We're here to talk about important stuff. Uh, no, you're not the fluff that we would normally talk about all day long. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about real stuff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, safetyism mm-hmm. and it's kind of a term. Who's, who coined that term? I believe it was Jonathan Haidt. That sounds about right. Height. Height. Hate. Yes. Too many vowels. Yeah. I don't in, know. In weird order. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of an extension of a lot of the stuff we've talked about in the past. Uh, with the uh, the James Coates situation, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe we can give an update on before we get started as mm-hmm. well, and um, uh, the sphere of sovereignty and all all the other the courage, uh, all those other topics really tie in here. Uh, but this is an evolving cultural situation. Yeah, and the things we were thinking about a year ago and talking about, there's still issues because they were never resolved. But there's there's been a progression. We're now we're having to argue on an even more basic level with people. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about is that the the issues surrounding safety. Yeah. So why why don't you kick us off? Well, yeah, a lot of when we think about why why are lockdowns being perpetuated? Why is the public responding the way they have uh, to a large degree? Why is the media and politicians and elites pushing these things and? In order to answer that question, we have to uh, think about things on a on a deeper level. We can't just, you know, think about statistics. We have to think about kind of people's philosophy of existence and their understanding of the world. And as we've been going through this for another, you know, about a year and a half, I think it's obvious that people's entire worldview. Um, the way that they understand themselves and the reality, everything around them is so different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And one of the ways it's different is the is the threshold for risk mm-hmm. and the place that people, the way that people view risk. I mean, in, in the past, risk is inevitable. I mean, the fact that we even... The fact that we have such an aversion to risk, in one hand, is just an obvious evidence of our privilege, right? Because the fact that you even have the privilege to choose which risks you take upon yourself and which you avoid mm-hmm. uh, is a is an uncommon thing. I mean, on some level, that's true, but 
most people have not lived in a world where they can avoid sickness. Yeah, there are risks involved with everyday living. And risks that are so far outside of our control. And we still have those. We just ignore them. Um, but it, I think the fact that we're so risk averse is definitely a sign of our privilege that we we don't realize how blessed we are to be able to have even the option of controlling so many of the things that we can and avoiding so many of the risks that we do. It's uncommon, not just not just historically, even globally. Uh, these things have been dominant in in privileged cultures. So. Jonathan Haidt, I think it was Haidt, Haidt, I forget how you spell it. It's H-A-I-D-T, I believe. Um, he wrote The Coddling of the American Mind with another author. And he wrote this. Safety is good, of course, and keeping safe from harm is virtuous, but virtues can become vices when carried to extremes. Safetyism refers to a culture or belief system in which safety has become a sacred value, which means that people become unwilling to make trade-offs demanded by other practical and moral concerns. Safety trumps everything else, no matter how likely or trivial the potential danger. I think, uh, I'm trying to remember which C.S. Lewis book it is where he talks about uh, all the virtues, and he, he talks about how if you lift any one of them, uh, above the others, you end up with a vice. Yeah, and the virtue, the virtue versus vice thing is if if they're in proper balance with each other. Mm. Um, but interestingly enough, like safety wasn't even really much of a virtue. That's mm-hmm. not something we've really considered a virtue. No, like well, it's sef- not like you know, s- safety uh, is self preservation, right? And that's that's a that's vain and that's selfish and. I mean, to a degree... Sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, sometimes it's necessary. And not just for yourself, but for the good of others as well. I mean, the people that you love and you're called to protect and to provide for, you want to be able to do that. So, But if you're a soldier... In war, that can't if and you and you live by the code of safetyism. Yeah, you know, you're not going to be a good soldier. You'll yeah. never put yourself at risk. You'll never sacrifice for others. Yeah, the problem is not that there that there is some appreciation for and value placed on personal safety. That's inevitable. The problem is that it is elevated to the highest virtue, or or that is to say, all other virtues. Are subject to that, right? Which right. that is the issue, which means mm. um, that risk yeah. is never okay. It's the vice. The vice is risk. And it strikes me as you're talking too that not only have we elevated it, but we've uh, we've began to make decisions about other people's safety. Yeah. Right. So I get to decide if you're not being safe. Well, you're a bad person. Yes. Right. So it's it's not just me looking out for my safety. Yeah. It's me looking out for other people's safety, and then whatever you're trying to legislate or do whatever you do to to nose your way into other people's business. Well, and this is it's because inescapably we all pose risks to one another. And if if safety is the highest virtue and all things must be sacrificed for safety, the other side of that coin is that risk is a vice, is bad. And if we're always putting one another at risk, even the, and then even the smallest risk is wrong, then there's a justification for legislating and controlling and uh, making decisions for other people's risk threshold. Mm-hmm. Because... 
look, it doesn't matter what you think. If you pose a risk to me and I have the right to remain safe from all risk, I have the right to dictate how you live. Yeah. But the the incoherence of this, before I even just walk through the immorality of it, it's it's on its face incoherent because to control someone else's safety level or the threshold of risk they'll take on, take upon themselves is to put them at risk, right? To, for, so for example, you need to all stay home so I don't get sick. It's like, okay, that's good. You made yourself safe from that potential risk of an airborne virus from your neighbor if he's inside his home. Um, but you may have put him at risk from isolation and its consequences, from loss of job and its consequences, from cognitive decline, from mental health and suicide. Mm -hmm. You may have caused a ton of risk. So now what's he to do? Is he allowed to say that I I need to be safe and then impose his, you know, view of what safety is upon you? And this apparently not. Yeah, well, apparently. (laughs) So it's it's an incoherent ideology that really it means we're gonna prioritize particular people we're going to avoid particular risks and not others. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it isn't what it claims to be. It doesn't produce safety. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And that's what we've seen in the last year. I thought for, con- this is, yep. sorry, sorry to break nope, in. Go here. ahead. This is how you know that this is not the issue. The yeah. safety and COVID are not the issue. Yeah. The issue is, you know, like when people are using an issue to leverage something, yeah, it's never coherent. And we would argue because it's not starting from a Christian worldview, it can't be coherent. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you know, my my opinion is there are there are powers at work that want more power and and you know more control. Yeah. And so you use whatever you have at your advantage to get that. And and back to like tying it into this topic, if peop- safetyism is an ideology, is uh, rife with fear. So the way that if a culture falls into the ideology of safetyism, um, which our culture has fallen into, they will be characterized by fear. And fearful people are easy to control. All you have to do is say, this thing you're afraid of, here it is all the time. Cases, 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 cases. And if you variance, want to be- Variance, variance, variance. variance. The, if the you want to be safe, this is what you do. Yeah. And you watch people sacrifice everything and everyone just to avoid that one risk. It's a religious outworking. Mm-hmm. It's a belief system. Um, and it's it's destructive. So recently we were having a, um, a protest here against lockdowns. And I was, you know, asked to speak and honored to speak um, there and just voice my um, dissent from public opinion and say, basically lockdowns are very harmful and to advocate for the voiceless. That's why I'm there. And our mayor came out publicly and basically shamed everyone. But the tactic she used in her health unit was saying it's selfish to put other people at risk. But here's the thing. Even our medical officer, chief medical officer said, there's no cases linked to protests. So now you have this, you have this crazy scenario where people who are gathering are portrayed as public threats with no evidence as dangerous people with no evidence yeah. and 
even the most minuscule risk, asymptomatic people outside, look at the numbers for that. Even even from our medical officer's mouth, no cases, not, not deaths, no hospitalizations, cases. But I talk to people who are slamming me for going as if I was building a bomb in the park. And their whole argument is, but you could. You don't know. So now yeah. it's not even the apparent risk. It's the potential risk. Not even the proven risk. Not even the proven. Yeah. It's the potential. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so now you have the right to be safe from even the slightest potential of risk yeah. from other people. It's a very- Which, ins- again, can't be consistent. It can't you know, be consistent. The people that got in their cars to drive to the protest were yeah. more likely to hurt somebody than they were of transmitting COVID. A hundred percent. So it's, but I mean, that's it's a, that's a statistical fact. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but it's a pick and choose thing. This is the thing we're focusing on right now. Yeah. And so you're going to get shamed for it. And where this ruins human life or one of the ways is when you say there is only uh, one risk or the greatest risk, what you're saying is there's only one need or a greatest need. That's mm-hmm. what you are saying. And you will sacrifice all other needs in order to meet that. So in the case of COVID, the greatest or only need that people have is to be free from a virus. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we will sacrifice all other needs um, that people have in order to avoid that one risk. It's funny how how all these false ideologies and false religions, which we would argue this is, yeah, uh, all imitate, they all imitate the, the real deal. Yeah. I and mean, we would argue there's only one real risk mm-hmm. uh, and there's only one real answer, right? Mm-hmm. That real risk is eternal judgment. Mm-hmm. That's, that's ultimate risk. Al- yeah. The only ultimate risk that you really have to deal with, you know, all our lives on this earth are going to come to end to an end in different ways and at mm-hmm. different times. Mm-hmm. But all of us are going to stand before God in judgment. Yeah, and <laughs> there's only one there's only one way to get around that. Yeah, and that's faith in Christ and the new birth and and so that's yeah. Again, it's a perversion. Their their one risk is an earthly thing. Yeah, and their their answer is earthly. Yeah, right. Yeah, and their answer is the opposite of love. So I wrote down a couple examples. These are the things I shared um, and I've been sharing with people. When you when you fall into the ideology of safetyism and you view uh, any potential risk from COVID as being um, we need to avoid and make other people not pose any risk to anyone, these are the risks and the harms you cause. I mean, we're seeing deaths among cancer pa- patients skyrocket because you're delaying all screening. I mean, I have a, f- a f- yeah. close friend of the family right now, you know, 32 and and terminal. And this morning I read about it on, in the newspaper, but it was either a woman or a man, one of the spouse who was delayed cancer surgery three times and just died. So in order for you to prevent the risk, any potential risk whatsoever yeah. of COVID, you caused risk to other people. Yeah, it's with- so backwards. I mean, you you wouldn't want a guy who's terminally ill with cancer to get COVID. But the yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. But the potential that someone might, it's like, but this guy will die. Yeah, and you sacrificed him certainty. for the, with certainty. Yeah, or at least far higher probability than the potential of someone getting COVID, yeah. etc. We we stop other medical care, which is going to have long term effects. They say for the next fifteen years, you're going to see the effects of canceled surgeries. 
um, people with dementia dying years earlier because of cognitive decline owing to isolation. I heard a story in the news today about seniors asking for medically assisted suicide is skyrocketing because they're just so isolated and and depressed. Because being locked in your room all day is not living. Yeah. You know? Um, you actually, to avoid all this risk, even to our healthcare system, like, oh, the ICU, the ICU, the ICU, small businesses provide 95% of the funding that pays for our public health. Mm -hmm. And so when you cancel all of our small businesses, what you're doing is you're creating a tsunami of disaster to come into an already abysmal situation. Only it won't be on the Probably when these politicians are around, it'll be no. down the road. No, it's always down the road when they're not responsible. Yeah. But look, you tried to say the risk. We're at risk right now. Let's do this. You just created an enormous risk to our healthcare system. What I mean, I even think of economic issues. Like, what's the risk of printing one hundred and fifty billion dollars? Yeah, you know, you've just devalued people's uh, people's uh, um, retirement funds. Yeah, maybe people will have to eat less after they retire you know what i mean you've yeah. just done damage to people's to people's lives yeah for a very long time yeah they say 150 to 180 million people over the next couple of years will be thrust into extreme poverty which is less than a dollar 90 per month mm-hmm. and when you think about that and for those who don't know extreme poverty a big percentage of that a substantial amount of those people will die because of that mm-hmm. because of malnutrition etc that related conditions to extreme poverty. Yeah. Um, all because of our insistence and the safetyism, this idea that we might, there's only one real risk or the greatest risk that all other um, needs must be sacrificed to prevent is COVID. And it's a dangerous, dangerous reductionistic mm-hmm. ideology. It's a, it's a false religion and stay home, stay safe is only true for privileged people. Yeah. Um, it's not true for a ton of people. So, and we see this playing out on the ground and why we want to do this podcast. It's that this doesn't build unity in a city, in a community. This promotes division and hate. The isolation, of course. Of course it does. Isolation, but yeah. even just you are a risk. Now yeah. we're not neighbors, we're yeah. threats to one another. And you have to do everything and, and you have to sacrifice in order to make me safe. Yeah. And if you don't, you are not only a threat to me, but you are a morally inferior person. Yeah. Well, just the, 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 the shattering of the bonds of civility. Yeah. You know, like I had a friend come over for just a couple minutes. Yeah. He said on his way up my driveway, yeah. my neighbors were staring him down. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this morning I was walking my dog and guy was taking out the recycling. Uh, and this couple, elderly couple, they have particularly nice uh, trees on their front yard. So I was commenting on the one tree, talking to the gentleman. And his wife is in the window signaling for him to come in. You know, <laughs> don't talk to the stranger on the street. Because you're going to get sick. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just insane. Yeah. It's, it's, you become gripped by fear. Yeah. Gripped by fear and totally controlled by it. And, you know, these are some of the root causes. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's, you end up living a life that is dominated by self-preservation. And self-preservation becomes a virtue. Rather than self-denial and self-sacrifice, a Mm -hmm. virtue is self-preservation. 
And then the sacrifices are pathetic. It's like virtue signaling, wear your mask. It's like, what effort does that take of you? Like as if this is the most noble thing a human being can do, but that's yeah. how the the language is is used. You know, do your part. We're in it together. Yeah, no, it, we're not. It's like, <laughs> no, we're we're actually not. Yeah, it's like you kept your job, and you've made your salary. Yeah. All the people saying these things are doing great. No one who's struggling and desperate is promoting these things. Mm-hmm. No one's saying we're all in it together. This ultimately safetyism is a result of no fear of God. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When you have no fear of God, you're afraid of everything. And 2020 and 2021 are almost um, parodies, like divine parodies. Yeah. <laughs> of of It's almost like... God if, writes the best stories. Yeah, That's if we could say, just right? pr- press pause... And just get everyone to like go up to the sky and look down on this. It's like you realize we're living a giant joke. Like, there's many things to be afraid of in life, and there's many things to sacrifice for. This is not one of them. Yeah. And the devastation that we're causing to people, it's it's hysteric fear. Mm-hmm. And people are manipulated and they're controlled. We had that gentleman come out, you know, when we were in the park filming us and I told him it was scary. It's like, you think we're a threat. You're treating us, you're filming us, you're treating us as if we're building a bomb in the park. It's like we're outside on a windy day, (laughs) all asymptomatic people. Like, you're more likely to get struck by lightning, you know, than cause death to someone in this scenario. And, you know, he was just gripped by irrationality. There's also just this arrogant... And sinful desire for control. Yeah. It's like... The bureaucrat. uh, Yeah. The bureaucrat bone. Yeah, the bureaucrat bone. It's like, as if we can do everything to stop. I mean, initially, it was two weeks to flatten the curve, which there's a reasonableness to that. Now we know that was just, you know, that's a you problem. We need to fix the hospital stuff. But two weeks, we'll all chip in. That's fine. Um, But now it's like, we need to have no cases. Yeah. It's like, well, that's whoever told you you could live in a world free from risk. And it's a lie and it's illusion and it's a it's God like, complex. It's like closing down all the highways until you can guarantee there won't be any accidents. Yeah, which you can't do. No. So instead, we need to learn to live with risks. And the example I gave in my open letter is even with driving, which we do always pose a risk to our neighbor when we do. We say that there are rewards to it, such as an ambulance being able to get to an emergency in 10 minutes as opposed to three hours and save people's lives. We say, look, it's worth the risk of an ambulance being on the road, which does cause a risk to to people on the road, to their neighbors, because of the rewards that it reaps. And all of us, everything we do. I go to work in my vehicle to make money so I can pay taxes so that we can have hospitals and social services and... Like people use their cars to generate wealth. Yeah. You walk outside for exercise when a pack of ravenous wolves could eat you. Like that actually is a real risk, however minuscule. Um, You say, you know what? It's, It's a risk assessment. I think it's pretty small. And I think the rewards are, you know, worth it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But safetyism says, makes no risk assessment. It just says, nope. And it's a, ultimately that's a desire for control. 
Well, let me throw this at you, though, yeah. because I'm going to go to Scripture here. Matthew 5, verse uh, 3.2. Blessed are the safe, for they will be admired on you Twitter. You know what? I forgot about that They will that be first. admired on Twitter. That is right? a problem for our view. That's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I must have been reading out of the... Unitarian Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were mentioning before we went on air in the bunker beneath City Hall here that uh, another reason the safetyism runs rampant is because of self-righteousness. Because wearing a mask and if the highest virtue is, is avoiding risk um, and the most righteous person is the person who's the safest... And all you have to do to do that is throw on a mask yeah. and Bingo. stay six feet apart. Oh my goodness. It used to be you had to like spend years developing virtue. Yeah. And to be a Pharisee. And now <laughs> you can just actually throw on a mask and you're like the best of human beings. Yep. And the amazing, the, the other side of this, is it's so great for self-righteous people. All those other people are just morally inferior. So now it doesn't even matter if their lives are really full of good works and they are really good people and they're better than you. If they don't wear a mask, they're so inferior and you're so much better. And you can feel so awesome about yourself. Mm. Safetyism just thrives in a pharisaical, self-righteous world. It's a religion. And it's dangerous. Ultimately, the solution to this and all other false religions is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is not save your life. It's whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it because Christ lost his life for us. Literally take up your cross. Yeah. Take up your cross. Get ready to die. Yeah. And safetyism is avoid your cross at all costs. And you're, you're a, a a morally inferior person for suggesting that or put suggesting that anyone else do that. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is like, no, the greatest risk isn't the flu. Isn't COVID? It's the wrath of God and the death that you'll face as a result of your sin. Think of how many more people Jesus could have healed if he didn't, you know, if he didn't poke the Pharisees in the eye. Yeah, that many times, you know. Yeah. Why didn't he? Why didn't he stick around for another thirty years, healing everybody? Yeah. You know, he had a yeah. very short ministry, and he mm-hmm. had a, he had a purpose to fulfill. Right? We would mm-hmm. understand that. Well, we have a purpose to fulfill too. And yeah. it's not just to get to be 120 years old no. without ever causing anybody any risk. No, no. And I mean, the average age is at or above the average life expectancy. And it's like, how much life are we throwing away? How many opportunities yeah. for Christ? And to actually warn people of a, of the of the risk that everyone faces mm-hmm immediately and you Jesus said you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you don't you might be keeping your neighbor safe from the most minuscule potential of something that may not have any harm to them whatsoever yeah and and you are keeping them in danger because right now apart from Christ this world is under immediate threat and immediate danger yeah. from their sins and the consequences yeah i think of, of the parable of the uh the guy who uh is um, prospering and he's he goes to build another barn to put all the grain in that he's he's uh, all his riches and stuff and build yes. another barn for that uh, so so I can relax and enjoy my life yes and God says this very night your soul is required of you yes you've been foolish yeah like we we don't know no right? I might not make it another day yes 
Um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> to be some, some days I want to be off of the earth, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm here and, uh, we're all here. We need to, we need to obey. Yeah. Serve God. And through, through Christ, we actually are set free from our fears and we're, we're, you know, we fear God. Yeah. And when you fear God, you fear nothing else. And you're set free to love. Like you don't live a life of self-preservation and you don't consider that a virtue. Um, you consider self-denial a virtue. You consider self-sacrifice a virtue, love. And uh, you're you're comfortable and content to live as a creature in a world that is governed by God. You know, not a, not a hair from our head falls without God knowing. He cares for the sparrows. He'll care for us. Like under this hysteric, hysteric fear, I think is just what Peter talks about, or in Hebrews, the, the slavery to the fear of death. Hmm. And the world is paralyzed by the fear of death, even just unconsciously. But Christians live under the providential care of their father. Mm-hmm. And we know that the amazing thing about that is, is that we can we can be comfortable in a risky world. We don't have to live in an illusion. Christians should be able to look at the world for what it is. Yeah. Safetyism tells a lie about the world. It says there's only one need, there's only one risk or whatever. And we say, no, there's a thousand needs, there's a thousand risks. God cares for me through them. The Bible tells me my priorities. Yeah. And my life uh, doesn't end when my when my body dies. No. And and this isn't the only important thing. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why we it's like even as a church, we've kept meeting throughout this and uh, we haven't had a single case. Yep. But but I'm prepared that when we do, I'm assuming we will. It's crazy to me we haven't. 11 months in Peterborough, there wasn't a single case tied to Hedges of Worship, which is bonkers. But when we do, what I'm not going to do is say sorry. I'm not going to adopt the lie that we have a moral responsibility to avoid getting sick. Yeah. And that we've done something morally wrong because there's other things important in life mm-hmm. and they come with the risk. One of those is gathering to worship. When I hear pastors saying we're not meeting together because we're staying safe, it's like, no, you're not staying safe. You're staying safe from one of a thousand risks in life. And you are putting people in danger of far greater risks, like becoming hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, which happens when you don't encourage one another daily. Yeah. By avoiding meeting together and becoming hardened to sin's uh, effects. And all these, it's like when this is finally over, if we're not in a, you know, a communist utopia by that point, but that doesn't uh, exist. Yeah. 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 I say that with a lot of satire. Um, it's like, I wonder what the, I wonder if we'll do a risk assessment or we'll do a cost analysis at that point. It's like, cool. I think for the most part we avoided, you know, a virus. It's like, but what did it cost us? Mm-hmm. What is the state of people's souls? How many opportunities for sharing the gospel? Have we have have we taken in the last two years? Mm-hmm. I doubt that we'll be able to do an honest cost assessment. Yeah, at all. I, but I true. don't. I think it's going to take historians from a different culture, right, to to look back and uh, and analyze what's gone on. Because um, even think like when when the Berlin Wall fell and communism right. collapsed and all that, they didn't really come to grips 
right. with what with what made that happen. Right. You know, a lot of the lies didn't get righted, all the wrongs didn't get righted. And that's that's the way it is in a fallen world, right? Right. So I've I've kind of given up the hope that, you know, cooler heads are gonna prevail a couple of years from now. We're gonna look back and, you know, take a a dispassionate look at the numbers. Not gonna happen. No. Not and gonna happen. When you that triggered something in me in a in a good way. Yeah. Um, not trigger a bad trigger. Warning. Yeah. <laughs> is that uh underneath this false gospel too is is a false hope and a new heavens and a new earth now. Right. It's like part of the reason I can live in a risky world is is that there is a new heavens and a new earth where there's no risk. There's no tears, there's no pain, there's no suffering. But that's not possible through health measures and bureaucrats and masks. Yeah. That's not happening. That's a false promise. Uh, the only hope for freedom from all risk is in the new heavens and the new earth, which is the only way you get there is through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so, yeah, you're right. All false religions have some truth, some a promise that appeals to something good. And we would say, look, longing for safety isn't bad. It's just that you can't find it here. Yeah. You need to find that elsewhere. Well, yeah, that's all the false religions are counterfeits. Yes, they that's prom- a, that's they promise it. the same things, and, but the the counterfeits only a counterfeit if there's a real thing that it's pointing yeah, to. Pointing to, right? And so I think we have an amazing opportunity in this time to tell people these things. Like I I told you off air that I feel like this is some of the greatest gospel opportunity I've had in my whole life. Mm-hmm. People who are desperate for the truth and uh, are willing to listen. And we need to tell people the, the truth, that safetyism is a lie, um, that ultimately Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. He calls us to trust in him and take up our cross. And if we do so, uh, we will be raised to a life that is truly free from all risk. And before then, we'll live a meaningful life embracing the risk, laying our lives down and, and honoring him. That's good. Yeah. Well, That's why really don't good. I why don't I close and uh, maybe we can add some beautiful music at the end? But I was going to read. So a I got to find more be- beautiful. You do music. You need to find something. I, you know, I've uh, speaking of beautiful music. I've been uh, rewatching Ken Burns' jazz documentary. You ever seen that? I have not. It's like a ten part jazz documentary. Whoa! It's fantastic. Uh, Ken Burns makes some pretty good documentaries. This one's one of his better ones. But jazz music is so beautiful in, in many complex ways can you I mean, play jazz no <laughs> sorry to ask no <laughs> jazz is like that's that's where you graduate right if you study yeah right you can't just start jazz without you know devoting your life to it it's right one of those things you gotta do it 10 hours a day right and be passionate about it um i'm what would they would call in the industry a hack <laughs> The technical term. <laughs> the technical term is schmuck. <laughs> so maybe I'll play some jazz over the end. Something real nice. Yeah, that'd be great. I actually, have, I'm not, I haven't listened to much jazz at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but people who like music love jazz, in yeah. my experience. I like I like the older stuff that's a little more coherent. Right. You know, when it starts getting, you know, Uber off the charts. Yeah. Just to see how weird you can be. Yeah. 
that's like an abstract painting to me. Yeah. I, I, I see the talent, but not interested. It's like virtuoso. I find a lot of uh, metal is like that. Yeah. Where it's not good as a song, it's impressive as in your technical capabilities, but yeah. it's like, I don't enjoy this. It's like, yeah, great. You solved a math problem that's yeah. really hard. Yes. It's that kind of. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't play jazz. Well, <laughs> well, before we get to that, I'll leave you with this quote about uh, about Aslan. I this think is, it this is, is our good section. This is a good section. Yeah. And by uh, the way, Aslan is awesome. He's a lion. He is. <laughs> yeah, this is Mister Beaver. That's right. Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's from Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Uh, by the way, the BB, you ever seen the BBC videos of those? It ruined it for me. Really? I found British shows growing up have a dreariness to them. Oh, for sure. And a creepiness to them Yeah, that scared me but they actually just read the book i'm yeah i'm it's sure not like the the disney ones where no. they're adding all sorts of plot twists and no this and that but the that scene is really funny in the bbc because the beaver outfits are just so horrible oh yeah <laughs> they're just in these like giant hairy rubber tubes that's like, amazing waddling around <laughs> but it's still good it's still definitely good. worth watching but yeah um that's that's it that is it. That's so it. remember that. They, I mean, we think about that. Jesus is good, right? Yes. He's not. He's not safe. Being a disciple of Jesus is not safe. No, you think of all the faithful prophets, the apostles. Uh, where is it where Paul's talking about? You know, three times I received the lashes. You know, oh, shipwrecked yeah, shipwrecked. And, all that, and he goes through the the list of things he's had to endure for the gospel. It's like none of that was even close to being safe. No. He just realized that when his time was up, it'd be up. And until then, he was just going to work away. Yes. Right? So, yeah. I think you think of uh, uh, Elijah, guys like that, just living in the desert. Yeah. We talked about John the Baptist last week, same type of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. Mm -hmm. Glad to get that off my chest. I'm sure we could keep going. Maybe we'll do a redux on that next week. Yeah. Oh, we, and we never really did uh, an update on the James. Yeah, we should do an update on James. So uh, the last two days, Monday and Tuesday of this week, he's been in court and they've been hearing evidence from him and from the AHS uh, representative. I believe they're the only two people to take the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds, uh, to me, it sounded like uh, Coates' lawyers did a better job. Yeah. Uh, but it's just going to depend on what kind of mood the judge is in and what type of judge they are, I think. But that uh, the 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 cases has been uh, heard now, and they'll be decided up by or on June seventh. Yep, I believe is when they're going to be doing the sentence, not sentencing. I don't know what they call it. Yeah, so we need to pray for that because yeah. if this if it's a if it's not a good verdict, it basically means there's no rule of law. Yeah, it's just total arbitrary ideological positions. Um, but if there is a positive verdict and they recognize the obvious and blatant uh, charter infringements that took place. And that that would have countrywide uh, repercussions. Oh, of course. Right. Of course. In a very public case yeah. as well. 
And uh, so we need to pray for that, pray for God's favor and be reminded this isn't just about James and Grace Life. This isn't even just about the church, mm-hmm. uh, which we should pray for our rulers in high places. We can live quiet and peaceful lives. That means praying that they act righteously. Yeah. Uh, not that they feel good tonight when they go to sleep. Um, this is good for all Canadians. If you love your neighbor, you want a good verdict on this. That's right. You want the rule of law to be upheld. You want the charter to be upheld. You want the freedom of religion and conscience and assembly to be allowed. You want draconian, irrational, hysteric, dangerous, harmful uh, legislation to fold. And uh, yeah, so we should, you know, if we care about our country and the people that are in it, if we, if we want uh, freedom for the public proclamation of the gospel, you, we should pray for this. Definitely. So continue to pray for that and for uh, the rest of the churches around the country too that uh, have decided not to open so far. We hope that, um, you know, we pray for repentance. Yeah. Uh, from the from the pastors especially, but also from the congregants who have yeah who have not uh, felt the need to find somewhere else. But uh, it's not. It's never too late, right? Yeah. We, our God is a forgiving God, and it's not too late for people to change their mind on. Yeah. That, so. We should, yeah. can we make a quick plug too for Saturday night preaching in the park? Yes. I feel like our listeners are people who are loco mostly, I'm assuming, and you may attend that. Not loco. Local. Not lo- like, not loco. <laughs> not loco. No. Our listeners are they might loco. Be. They might be. Does loco mean crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're loco. So we, we, uh, Jeremy and I and some other people started preaching in the park Saturday night, six to seven. Nicholas to be clear, Oval. I'm not preaching. Well, you're singing. I'm singing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm singing the word. You're, yeah, he's singing the word. the word. Singing the word and I'm preaching the word. That's right. And uh, we met in a cold, blustery Saturday last week. A lot of encouraging things. Unbelievers came out to that. And yeah. we're going to keep meeting six it's, to seven. It's quick. You know, we do three songs. There's a 20-minute uh, homily yep. message, uh, always with a gospel presentation. Yep. So, you know, bring a friend, bring anybody who's interested in, in what Christians are about. And, yeah. yeah. We're going to be talking about the Imago Day this week. Nice. The image of God for mm-hmm. people who don't speak Latin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always gotta, <laughs> Which <forgive>. is me. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I kind of want to pick your brain on what, uh, what direction you're going to go. Well, anyway, from uh, Alex and I at Dominion Podcast, we'll see you next week, and hopefully we'll see you Saturday night. Thank you.